Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 72 of the F1 Show. For coverage of the 2010 Turkish Grand Prix, I'm Robin Warner, and we are back to full force once again. Because I am Jim Lau, and we are actually both at the same place at the same time. Neither Amazing. of us has other obligations, and we have time to give you a full, proper edition of the F1 Show. So we will cover, obviously, winners and losers, news since the last show, our taste of the race, all that exciting stuff, and uh, and then we've got plenty to talk about the U.S. Grand Prix and other news. So, man, we let's let's get to it, dude. I'm so pissed off. Really? Weddings, stupid, stupid weddings. Uh oh. Okay, so Canada's going to be great. Really excited for you mostly, and, and for myself because we're going to get to watch Canada. But uh, the next race after that, which one is that? Valencia. Valencia. Yeah. I'm going to be in Boston for a wedding. Oh boy. And uh, guess what other race I just learned I'm going to miss because of a wedding? Don't say fish and chips. Not fish and chips. Oh, thankfully. The Belgian Grand Prix. Oh, I'm going to miss Spa. Spa. Really? Dude. How many Minnesota. people do you know that are getting married? I don't know any of them. I don't think they have television in Minnesota. They're Amory's friends. Okay. Dude. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I just actually looked at I'm going to be in Lakeland, Minnesota, which is just outside Minneapolis, for a lovely and beautiful wedding. I can only assume by a lake. Not watching the Belgian Grand Prix. Not watching the action from Spa. So please, people, if you're going to get married, do it on an off weekend think, from F1. Please. And think. if you recall, Bernie Ecclestone was originally going to have the Canadian Grand Prix on my, you know, the day after my wedding. I, I called him up. I had a meeting on a yacht. We fixed it. Um, it's, it's now a week really later. It's good that your yacht came back from the repair shop. It was. It was good. It was good timing. And, uh, and, and we worked that out. But, I mean, let's, let's just think of, think, of, you know, think of the little people, us F1 show hosts, that well, need to watch the race and, and you know, you know, be connected. The more intelligent cultured among us that That's right. like Formula One. Uh, in other news, uh, that wasn't the only thing that happened. Uh, Lewis Hamilton is engaged. Hooray! Yay! More wedding news. Maybe. May, well, well, I mean, there's like there's like gossip. I mean, as soon as you start searching for like, is someone or is there, are they not engaged? You get this whole other side of the internet that's not like Wikipedia <laughs> and like this actually it's happened. The, it's on the wrong side of the. It's tracks, on the wrong side. side of the yeah, internet. it is because it's all like, <laughs> oh, she was spotted with this photo of this ring, and then they may be doing this, and maybe she's pregnant, or maybe they broke up, or maybe this happened. So I don't know. It doesn't. Nowhere actually really officially says like that they are are not engaged. And what is official? Frankly, is, I don't care that much. Is official is Lewis has something down. Here, growth on his chin, yeah, and he's got black things pointing out of his ears. And uh, according to Speed, anyway, our lovely American broadcaster says that they are now, in fact, engaged. Yeah, and so I actually watched BBC coverage for qualifying, so I didn't hear any of that. <laughs> and that's okay. I don't know why. I mean, that's the most important thing that could be happening. Yeah. Um, other news: There's still no decision on the tire suppliers. That's still up in the air. Yeah, and they but say, it sounds like it's time now. Very, very close to Pirelli announcing it. Though, yes, and which is very Italian. And the other big, big news for us, especially, is the U.S. Grand Prix coming back for the 2012 season. So we're gonna. We're, that's a whole item in itself. So we're gonna discuss that yeah, a little we're bit later. We're actually gonna talk about that later. But I want. I want to point something out here. Yes. I think it's fate because it's Formula One. And it's the Lone Star State, oh, one lone one. togetherness, yeah. circular happiness. That's great. You know what country is right by Turkey? Lebanon. And you know where, totally. You know what kind of food we can get in this area? Lebanese, Lebanese food. It's great. Oh, it was delicious. Totally so, right next door. Yeah, tasty hummus and, and shawarma I mean, to be and fair, all that. Uh, Lebanon's on the Asian side mm-hmm. of Turkey. As is Istanbul Park. Exactly. So it all worked. It all worked. So, yeah, we uh, tasty, what, hummus and lemon rice oh, yeah, soup we did the whole and thing. the whole... Oh, yeah. Yeah. 
And I'm pretty sure... That, no, I've got nothing. No, there was Turkish coffee on the menu, which we didn't have. Yeah, neither of us like coffee, so we didn't, <laughs> we didn't have the Turkish coffee. But You guys have Mountain Dew in Turkey, right? Yeah. Mountain Dew is good for the show. We, it's definitely like a show-encouraging uh, elixir. There is definitely a relationship between amount of caffeine intake and quality of show output. I think sugar, too. Sugar, yes. And coldness. So anyway, tasty uh, tasty Middle Eastern food. That was That was very good. That's how we did it. Yeah, man. Yeah, the uh, McLarens starting to come on strong here. I I'm, I was quite impressed. I think it was Hamilton topped in Friday practice one, and then was it Hamilton again in practice two? I, I, I don't know. It was, it was McLarens. Were yeah, McLaren quick. like one two and then one three for Friday practice, just looking really strong in practice. And they've done this before though, where they look really good, and then maybe the Red Bulls come out with some faster times later, and they just you know everyone's doing different different setups. Uh, but the big concerns really were these reliability problems for Weber. He had a couple of different issues and actually had an engine failure at the end of practice two. Like a big immediate one. Like a just kind of died. It was yeah. like and then it died. Like, yeah. It was. It could have been. Yeah. It was, it was kind of both. A couple uh, of noises. And they say, oh, that was a high mileage engine. That one we were we were done with that one anyway. You know, it didn't matter. Uh, but actually, it was kind of weird watching it. Uh, they, you know. Marked in the car. There's trying, a bit of a communication gap. Yeah, trying to gesture like just put wheel chocks on there so I can get out of this car. And they're like, didn't understand. They're trying to push him. They're He's like, like no, you, don't you push want a me. sandwich? Yeah, no, we don't have any sandwiches. I just want you to prop this car up so I can get out and not have it roll over me. And you know, start... your, your arm's broken. Yeah, you need a cast. So there was for your a arm? there was a language issue. Yeah, there was. But uh, anyway, so that was if that's the biggest thing you have to worry about is that you can't tell the people to chop that your you car. Don't want a sandwich and that your arm isn't broken. Yes, you just want a cast. But you're thankfully there. Not the car. There's no uh, <laughs> penalties or anything like that because he, you know, is on Friday practice. He's yep. got he's got plenty of engines to go. It yep. seems like so no worries and uh, they're ready to go into Saturday. Yeah, Q1, uh, brilliant, pretty usual. Nothing too terribly excited, which brings us right to Q2, which wasn't usual. Not at all. Yeah. So uh, Fernando Alonso just could not get the Ferrari up to the lap times he needed. It was he had a couple of laps. He had you know one pretty big mistake uh, where he got the right rear wheel off onto the stripes on the edge of the track uh, where he needed to do some heavy braking. So the car got all sideways and and he kind of you know couldn't quite recover from that. Um, but it wasn't it wasn't just that mistake though. I mean the car just didn't have the pace to to make it into Q3 and and you know there was Alonso was just kind of. Uh, upset about that after the doing the interviews and stuff he just sort of says eh, it just wasn't there i mean yeah i made that mistake but that wasn't the problem that just wasn't there exactly fernando alonso slower than kamui kobayashi yeah kobayashi made it into the top 10 this time so q3 that was kind of a barn burner that was a really cool session to watch i was kind of not biting my nails it was emotionally yes tense from that it was very nice yeah um but the uh so the end results of that though i mean uh vettel went out there and he had some some quick laps early on but then as people did their last tire changes and burned off their fuel and all that um you know he in the in the last sort of series of, of fast runs uh vettel just couldn't make couldn't put one together kept locking up brakes yeah and it turned out later that he had a, a broken part of his rear suspension and uh you know that that was the issue but he was like oh i have a brake problem or whatever which yeah his anti-roll bar in the rear was broken yeah it totally hosed him and uh schumacher had a nice nice spin in turn eight going 160 ish miles an hour yes which i believe screwed up button's lap a little bit i think button could have even been on the front row 
Yeah. But I'm a button fan. And, it, I mean, it's, it's interesting because it shows we see all these cars going through turn eight, and you don't get a great sense of the G-forces on, on, you know, on TV. Uh, but to see how wrong it goes when it goes wrong is, is pretty telling to say, like, as soon as he just ran a little bit wide and just got off onto the AstroTurf or whatever, and then the car just went for just, you know, f- you know yards and yards and yards way off track, almost right. into the wall. He just barely kept it out of the wall and uh, ended up just being parked in the gravel trap. So Schumacher got it way wrong. But at the top... Mark Weber once again came through again and uh, hat trick three times put it, it on pole and Hamilton screwing up our predictions a little bit I have yeah to. and uh, and and Hamilton holding on for the outside pole you know whether it's because of Vettel's problem or because he's amazing or whatever uh, you know <laughs> Hamilton ending, ending up second uh, is, a, is a great starting position yep uh, Rosberg in sixth Kubitz is seventh which is another good run for Renault Massa can only manage eighth despite his three wins in a row two sixth of two thousand eight. Uh, previously, Petrov in nine doing very well, and uh, like we said, Kobayashi made it to Q3 for 10th. After a brilliantly close Q3 qualifying session, we found Mark Weber on pole in his Red Bull with recently engaged McLaren driver Lewis Hamilton nipping at his heels alongside. But as the light went out, it was quickly a Red Bull 1-2 as Vettel got the better of Hamilton and just one row back, Michael Schumacher once again bested Button. But this time, neither McLaren driver was having it. At the end of lap one, Hamilton was around Vettel, back in second, and by turn 12, Button regained fourth, outbreaking Schumacher's Buick LeSabre. As the laps went on, it quickly became a four-horse race, with both Red Bull and McLaren drivers swapping fastest lap almost every lap. Things went a bit wrong for Hamilton after his pit stop, when the right rear tire proved sticky, costing the pussycat husband second place. Things stayed very close for all involved as the laps were on. It was Vettel that felt racing. On lap 40, the young German got a run on his teammate, entering the break zone in turn 12. Weber defended and, well, we'll let Weber explain. Is it hard to take for you, given that it was your teammate who you think was responsible that cost you the win today? Uh... There was a long way to go in the race, you know, so it wasn't a guaranteed victory. I've still got a few points, but um, it was uh, interesting a uh, few metres on the track between both of us, and then in the end, uh, wasn't the result that we want, but either wanted. If you don't understand angry Australian, I'll translate. Vettel turned into Weber. Contact. Both spun. Vettel's car skidded to a halt with his rear suspension crossed up. Weber rolled on with a damaged front wing and flat spotted tyres. The latter was able to pit for new tires and still managed to stay on the podium. Up front, Button and Hamilton decided to play, let's make our team boss bite his fingernails and have cold sweats, when the pair raced each other for the lead going into turn 12, and continued to race each other into turn 1 of the following lap. After a nice bump, Hamilton got the better of Button, and both drivers backed off to save fuel. With the McLarens holding position, it was the first time this year that Lewis Hamilton wins the Turkish Grand Prix. And that was with teammate Button smiling, crossing the line in second. After Weber finished third, the next two cars belonged to the factory Mercedes team. Michael Schumacher in fourth, young teammate Nico Rosberg right behind in fifth. Robert Kubica once again impressed everyone finishing sixth in the Renault. The color red flashed by in seventh and eighth, Brazil ahead of Spain. Then came Force India, Adrian Sutil collecting two points for his efforts. That left our boy Kobayashi a spot for 10th in the BMW Sauber Ferrari Honda Toyota Ford uh, car. So, Jim, uh, what do you want to talk about? I say we start at the top. McLaren 1-2. Obviously. Not, you don't. I I did that big lead in. 
sarcastic. What do you want to talk about? Of course we want to talk. No, you want to talk about McLaren. I want to talk. I mean, it's, it's sort of, you know, a surprise one too, really. I mean, it obviously helped by the, uh, well, the, the Red crashing each other pre- out. Yes. But, I mean, they do seem to have taken a step forward. It was not as though the Red Bulls were off in Red Bull land, you know, half a minute, a minute lap, whatever, ahead of everyone else. Sure. And, uh, and you know, the McLarens were just there to pick up the scraps. I mean, they were up there fighting. And uh, certainly in the, in the opening, uh, opening laps before the uh, per- first pit rotation, uh, you know, Lewis was right up there with with Mark Webber, and you know a couple points challenging, possibly you know be able to make a pass or whatever. He, well, he didn't, but um, he was he was right there with him. That's what was really quite amazing to me was literally all four of them were kind of going through the cycle of getting fastest lap. Yeah, Jensen Button fastest lap, Sebastian Vettel fastest lap. No Mark Webber, no Hamilton. I mean, really, that was incredible to watch. They were all moving yep. so fast. It's really a testament to the fact that at the end the McLarens had to slow down because they were running out of gas. Yeah. You know, I quite in this, it was, you know, according to, you know, Steve Matchett in the American commentary, he was like, I don't think that they underfilled the cars for a weight advantage. I think they're literally running out. They topped it off and that's just all they can carry. And they're just, yeah, not used to driving that hard for that long because, you know, almost all these times, you know, Mark Weber gets out in front and just kind of can, can back off a little bit or Vettel's uh-huh. next one in, in right. line or whatever. Um, and it's well, this is one of the longer races. And it's uh, not, you know, so the distance is longer and the fuel economy, so the rate of fuel economy used is higher than usual. So it, and it, it is kind of one of the more taxing events. With no safety cars and very little rain, yeah, it all uh, it all came, came together. Um, and so, yeah, basically, like you mentioned, the race report, uh, Lewis lost out in the uh, in the pit shuffle just a little bit. You know, the right rear wheel guy, uh, yeah. just a little bit too slow. Yeah, and, absolutely. you know, Vettel ended up getting around him there. Um, and even then, you know, it was still still hanging on for a little bit. And then we had that whole thread of rain for a while. And it only ended up just being a drizzle. And, not enough, of, and, and it might have slowed people down just a little bit in a couple of spots. But yeah. that was really about it. Well, if anything, I think it messed with people uh, emotionally. You know, just to, you're sort of on your – if you're just uh, doing your thing, you're, out, you're, you're running your program, you know the fuel, you know everything. And then if you just have to start thinking – sort of defensively and, oh, what are we going to do about tires? What if this happens? What if that happens? I and mean, right. it changes all the stuff you're talking about. So it might have messed with people uh, emotionally more than it actually did on track. I mean, it wasn't wet enough that anyone slid off the course or anything, but, uh, you know, enough to keep it interesting. And as we put out on the uh, on the Twitter stream when we were sort of live tweeting this, was it was kind of just what the race needed at that point. We kind of had all the early excitement and the sure. on-track, you know, close passing and the pit stuff and all that. And then, uh, and then you know, just the threat of rain and all that was, was enough to uh, just shake things up just enough to... Uh, Keep the attention going and just sure, kind of, and, sure. And uh, speaking of speaking of tweets, can I just add real quick? If you ever see any kind of ad for, oh, come hear the clairvoyance of Mike Gascoigne, you know, he tells you about his future. He'll read your palms. Don't 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 listen. He, he it will rain at you know three fifty or two fifty or whatever it was. This will happen. It didn't happen. Well, he was. Wrong. I mean, it kind of. He was close. He was ish. Apparently, the uh, all the all the. Uh, he said it with way too much confidence. Okay. If, if, to say it with the amount of confidence he said it, it should have rained on the dot when he said it was going to rain. He gave a five minute window. It rained fifteen minutes after that and barely rained. Poor psychic abilities. All right, fair enough. And apparently, all that you know. Gascoigne seemed to be the forecaster because he was the only one sort of posting these things on Twitter. So even the BBC guys were sort of following what he was saying and saying, oh, we're getting reports that it's going to rain and whatever. It's like, it's like yeah, you're not re- getting reports. You're getting reports tweets. Mike Gascoigne tweeted that it's going to rain. It's not a report. Not not really. Uh, but then, I mean, the the big drama, obviously, is, is the Red Bulls. I mean, the teammates well, coming together. But if we're talking about McLaren, we have to talk about Jensen and Lewis's little scrap. Yeah, so... I mean, that was... That was nail-biting. 
It was, and it was almost directly like it was right after the whole Red Bull fiasco. Right. It started in the same place. Yes, it started in exactly the same spot. It was like a lap later, and uh, it was almost to, uh, for McLaren to be like, "Let's show you guys how we're how you're supposed to do <laughs> this, this. Is how you're supposed to race." You know, and, and, it, and so what happened is coming into turn twelve, Jensen Button had a run on Lewis Hamilton. Went uh, went for the inside. Hamilton quickly closed the door. Went for the outside mm-hmm. and broke with. Um, Hamilton around the outside of 12, he had the inside for 13, and kind of more or less with a little bit of scrapping, got the lead coming onto the main straight of the track. And then on the following lap of turn one, Hamilton went in on the inside of Button, and Button moved over. Yep. But they gave each other just enough room, Button backed off, and then they bumped each other at the apex of turn one. And then everyone's like, okay, no, we're done. We better save gas. Yeah, and, I mean, you could see, uh, you know, the McLaren guys on the radios for you. like, you guys don't take each other out. Because, like, you know, they, they probably they, they wouldn't have been able to see, um, you know, exactly what happened with the Red Bull guys. I mean, they probably saw Vettel, you know, spun off there or and Weber as well. But then, right. you know, not really sure what's going on. So, that you know, all, all of us watching at home were like, no, 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 this just happened. Don't do this again. Had they spun out and crashed, I would have been convinced, convinced that Michael Schumacher made a deal with the devil. It's like one more championship. Yeah. Just one more. <laughs> and this was also right during the sort of drizzly rain period. And so you're sort of, uh-huh. especially when Jensen's going around the outside, I'm kind of like, oh, is yeah. that going to work? Well, and, and Hamilton, I mean, he's a loose cannon. Uh, yeah. Let's, let's, be, <laughs> let's be clear here. But, uh, and, and then as, as we were talking about, too, with the coverage, um, you know, luckily, though, you know, Hamilton is, is great in the rain. But you know who else is? <laughs> is, is Jensen, Jensen Button. Jensen Button is great in the and, rain. And Moss and Schumacher. And you know what? Weber is actually really good yeah, in the rain. And Vettel. You know who's great Vettel's, in the rain? Vettel's great. Vettel. Yeah. And Rosberg, he's also great. So great, it's great, it's good it? that all those guys are the guys driving. Yeah, because... you know what? You know what I'm thinking? They're Formula One drivers. Yeah. <laughs> you think. Anyway, we digress. Point is, McLaren did very well. Uh, Lewis and uh, Jensen were both very happy with themselves and with each other. And I think Jensen was a very good teammate. He, he made his move. He went for it. At, like he said, he couldn't not go for it. He had to try. Mm-hmm. Um, but they raced each other fair. They both thought so, and then they backed off and said, "Okay, we better not run out of gas." Yeah, and we haven't had any, you know, team orders. Oh, this guy backed off for that. I mean, obviously the Red Bull guys racing each other harder than they ought to be, and he, uh, and and now the you know McLaren guys as well. Just you know, hey, I got to go for it. If I've got to run, I'm not going to just back off. And okay, uh, so it's we've, great to see that we've waited long enough. Yes. Red Bull guys racing each other. Your thoughts, man? It's. Okay, so there's all these articles now. Uh, Vettel says, oh, no, it's not my fault. It was a racing incident, you know, and he says... Well, um, at first, Vettel was convinced that not only was it not his fault, but that his teammate was crazy. Yeah. He thought it was absolutely Weber's fault. So, I mean, on from from our, you know, onboard shots and all the stuff that we saw, the replays and all that, it really looked like, okay, yeah, Weber could have given Vettel more room on, you know, either on the, on the left side of the track. Uh, Vettel's trying to get the inside line for its left-hand corner. Yeah, and well, Weber definitely yeah. went over. Uh, Vettel went for the inside, and Weber definitely went over. But Vettel had a car length of road, and Weber never pushed him farther than that. Yeah. And Vettel definitely turned into Weber. There's n- no doubt in my mind. Right, so it's not, it, it wasn't. I mean, yeah, Weber could have left more room. He could have also just backed off the gas and slowed down and let him by. But why would he? Yeah. So yeah. it's that that's, you know, what what just keeps coming back to me. It, it's uh, it's like, yeah, we well, could have given more room. It's like, yeah, or Vettel could have not just slammed into his teammate either. Right. Um, so it didn't, I mean, it didn't look like Vettel had the advantage. He wasn't like, you know, way ahead or anything like that. I mean, they're really side by side. Uh, and then it 
you know, I guess just to sort of get the corner right uh, under breaking or whatever, um, Vettel just sort of turned over into into Weber, and and it's really hard to say why. I mean, he obviously yeah. he's a good driver and he's made a lot of good moves and uh, wouldn't do that on purpose because it's a foolish move. But it's just really kind of strange how that came out. But to, in my mind, just from what I saw, it really looked like uh, Vettel's fault to me. Yeah, I I, I would agree. I, I I really think that uh, you could give Mark ten percent of the blame. Um, but I can't. I can't see you giving him much more than that. Uh, Vettel definitely was going quicker than Weber on that lap. He seemed to be catching him in the last couple of laps, going a little bit quicker. But it certainly wasn't as if it'd been twenty laps of Vettel obviously being quicker and Mark holding him up. And it definitely wasn't being lap traffic or anything like that. I think Mark, in general, had very good control of the race. He was leading the race, and. If it's your teammate, you have to take that extra level to pass cleanly. And I've got to, yeah, I've got to imagine, you know, Mark was like aware that he's up there doing his, you know, oh, yeah, Vettel's right there, but oh, he's my teammate. He's not going to do that, is he? And then just <laughs> bam, and then he did. You know, I, yeah. I, so I've got to imagine Mark was like, I'm not going to give him room, I'm not going to let him by, but oh, he's Vettel. He's not going to be stupid and, and just right. crash into me. I think the only thing I can think of is that, you know, Weber did aggressively come over uh, to defend, and he did push him right to the edge of the road. I think, and we both agree that he got enough room he didn't need any more room than he had but he didn't have much extra maybe Vettel felt wronged that he went over as aggressively as he did hey we're teammates he shouldn't come over on me so aggressively could have been thinking that that's possible or it could have just been super frustrated i mean after all the issues and reliability problems yeah. and all the different things that's and, true that's and then with, true. with weber on this string of successes and obviously the same car uh, Weber's getting all the attention now, and all this. Oh, is there a rift in the team? And are they yeah. are they arguing or whatever? So, and and even after the qualifying problem, I mean, Vettel probably figured he maybe he should have been on pole, or at least should have been on you know next to uh, next to Weber for the start. And oh, but I had another problem with the car, and it just ah oh, no, finally yeah. here's my chance, and just you know in a moment of little too much emotion, uh, just just you know made that move. That that's kind of what what it seems like to me. I agree, and it is really more than anything a shame. Uh, the post-race interview with Weber was hilarious. <laughs> I felt bad. The body language was, it was I so strangle telling. that guy. Yeah, I really, <laughs> really, really, I've had enough. It was the most, like, sort of restrained anger yeah. you, could, uh, you could imagine. I was Lots just waiting just, for his head to explode. Yeah, literally, like, grinding his teeth and stuff. It was, <laughs> it was pretty great uh, in a way. I mean, it, and it's, it's wild because, you know, you see all these news reports, and, and you know, like like Nico Rosberg saying, "Oh no, no, the, my you know my car suits me now just as well as it ever did." And there's no thing with Michael Schumacher. Don't worry. But it's like, come on. Yeah. And uh, but and, when Weber's like, oh, team, and believe it, Vettel was like ideal. Yeah. <laughs> Vettel sort of, you know denied that the collision was going to put the intra-team relationships under strain, and he's, oh, there's no fight. This is something that happens. We don't, you know, we don't need it. But there's nothing we can do now. And it's like, oh no, no, there's no problem. Everything's right, good in Red right. Bull land. Like, yeah, right. It is. I, someone's pants are on fire, maybe. Yeah. I, yeah. <laughs> So, um, what does the word eight hundred mean to you? Well, uh, that's that's a big number. That's a, uh, a big number. If you have eight hundred or something, you obviously have a lot of them. I would say yes, yes. And the eight hundredth of something really ought to be a good one, right? So, ideally, if if you if you were doing the eight hundredth of something, you'd want to finish mid pack, right? Like that would be the ideal place to. You'd finish. want to qualify, kind of, eh, and then yeah, yeah, and then just eh through the race. So yeah, so the Ferraris <laughs> this weekend. Giant nice shirt, by the way. Giant, yeah, I got my Ferrari shirt on right now. Um, 
giant well i had my hamilton shirt on before and i figured ah, oh, that's like that's like boasting now to wear that after everything so i'm like i'm gonna switch back to the underdogs you know ferrari um <laughs> When, when did that happen? I mean, they were the favorite for the championship. Alonso's the super, super, superstar. They won Bahrain handedly. Well, not handedly, but they, you know, definitely in control of it. Yes. And then all of a sudden, just it's just been a downward spiral. Well, there's two things. One, I think, you know, are they just de- behind the, the development, you know, cycle and the, you know, curve? I mean, it, it, one thing we even didn't mention with Red Bull, it's uh, they talked about having parts flown in from the direct from the factory, you know, flown in on some flight from Turkey and like, you know, the, the driver sort of racing from the airport to the to the uh track to get in, you know these parts which ended up being like a new rear wing for weber and then he takes it and goes up and ends up you know putting the car on pole so how you don't get much closer than that in terms of just rapid development and get these parts on the car and test them and get them out right there. but since when is ferrari and been ferrari, unable to do those yeah, type ferrari of things ought to be I mean, able they, to do that i mean they're they, they make fast road cars they ought to be able to get something from italy over to turkey and i mean make they're getting work. pretty close to just my like, screw it let's put a 599 you know double x in there and see what happens <laughs> yeah and so it's you know are they behind the curve? And if so, you know, is it because they are, you know, be, being part of the Fiat Group and all that, and uh, obviously more affected by, you know, global recessions and being more affected by just these higher up decisions than just purely being an F1 team? Um, are there, you know, is it obviously with a shakeup with management and bosses and stuff like that? Is that causing problems? Well, is it the simple fact that Stefan Domenicali isn't as good as uh, Ross Braun John and, and John Todd were? Yeah. I mean, you know, I, I don't know. So, I mean, there's there's that part of it, and we, we don't know the answer, really, and we'll just sort of have to see, you know, if and Alonzo was just sort of frustrated but kind of, like, calm about it, just like, well, yeah, it sucks that we're, you know, that that's as far as the car went. And he's like, I think he says, like, that was the limit, you know. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So it is. He can only do so much with the car. So just to, to, to if anyone was unclear, they, this is their 800th Grand Prix start. And they, they had a the, giant 800 on the side of the, yeah, on the, side of the car. They're the only team that's been in Formula One since the beginning of the 1950 official mm-hmm. uh, championship. So, And still the most successful F1 team ever. Oh, yeah. Well, well by virtue of being there the longest, obviously that, that helps. certainly helped. Um, and then the other the other aside of this whole Ferrari thing is, like, does anyone care about Massa anymore? Dude, poor guy. I mean, I you haven't... You know, okay, so I actually predicted, um, you know, Massa to do well here um, because he's like, he like owns this track. It's like five out of six victories ever, I think. No, well, so the the first race was in 2005. Yeah. And Massa won 06, 07, 08. Yeah. And then Button won last year. I can't count past three, so there you have it. But, okay, (laughs) lots of them. You know, if anyone ought to be able to come here and do well, you know, it's like, it's just, you know, Massa. And I think it was from pole each time. Yeah. Maybe not, but he definitely had some poles there. He's good. He's good at this place. He knows how to drive around this track. Numbers and figures, we don't have that. But Yeah, yeah. we have spirit. So, <laughs> you know, Fernando Alonso is obviously like their superstar driver now that it's not, you know, Kimi Raikkonen who never really fit in with the team. And it's like, okay, Alonso, he's our guy. He's our double world champion. And uh, and that's all great. And it's all like, you know, Massa um, is just kind of like a mid-pack guy now. You know, I didn't, didn't see any interviews with him, didn't really see any coverage no. of him on TV, didn't see him making any great moves, any passes, and he didn't do anything terrible. But uh, it's and, just, I mean, there's rumors of him not being signed on for next year. Yeah, and so it's you know he's not like he's not terrible, but it's like he he was like the you know uh, you know more popular than Kimi Räikkönen and stuff at Ferrari, and it's just kind of uh, yeah oh yeah he's that other guy in our team, and we don't really talk about him. Right. So yeah, maybe he'll become one of the 18 test drivers they have. Yeah, really. Him and Luca <laughs> can hang <laughs> out. And, and so on the other side of things, as far as you know, teams moving up, uh, I think Force India. Um, are they're they're like knocking on the door. They're so close, and they're they're like almost a top team. Sometimes is kind of how I put it. They're definitely a very strong mid pack team. Yeah, uh, I mean they're 
considerably stronger than Williams, for example, this year. But like, which I, is quite impressive. You know, I wouldn't rule out you know Sutil probably not for a win, but you know, podium. And... But I mean, at the end of the day, when you say top team, I mean they're definitely slower than Red Bull. Yeah, and McLaren, as is everyone else, and yeah. McLaren. But they're definitely still slower than uh, Renault as well, and Ferrari. Well, Ferrari, though, now, you know, I, but I feel like they, they're, they're within striking distance that a good day, you know, things come right. I think they're, they're, they're close enough to do that, um, you know, more so than STR or some of these other ones that are just, you know, not, not quite up there. Sure. But uh, so it's interesting this weekend, uh, you know, everyone is obviously trying to catch up with McLaren for the F-duct situation. And, uh, and so uh, Force India came up with an F-duct and they were running it in practice and trying it out. And Adrian Sutil just sort of was like never could quite jive with it. So he said, you know what, I don't want to run it. Screw it. And, and Liuzzi took to it. He said, okay, yeah, this is great and, and did it. Um, but then Sutil, like, way out-qualified Tony Olivesi. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Which is, it's it's interesting. I mean, I guess part of that is maybe something that feels faster because it's maybe a little more interactive. And you're like, oh, I put my hand over here, and then, it, oh, the car goes a little bit faster, and it feels great. But overall, maybe it's taking away some focus, or maybe it's just Yeah, changing. I mean, that's, that's the thing, right? Uh, with clearance, you know, as we understand it, you kind of operate it with your knee or your thigh. Mm-hmm. Um, but the Ferrari, for example, you, you put your hand on it. Yeah. And I would imagine that would be more, just like you say, distracting uh, than uh, using your knee. Because it's not even that unnatural to kind of push your knee to the outside mm-hmm. on a straightaway anyway. Well, on turns, too, for that matter, though. So that's a little interesting thing. But um, I think you're right. But it does seem like other teams have definitely come out with an F-duct. Um, but... McLaren definitely still seems to have the straight line speed advantage. Well, and supposedly McLaren's you know worked on theirs for eighteen months before bringing it out on the car, and it's obviously part of the chassis and and just built in and integrated in a much better way. Sure. That even Adrian Newey, you know, coming up with one for the Red Bulls this weekend, I think they tried it and decided it wasn't worth it and, and took it off. It was pretty. And it's it's just kind of wild to see. Uh, so it was interesting anyway that I thought you know Sutil I think making the right choice to say uh, you know. I don't want to use this. It's not making me any faster. You know, maybe it feels faster, but that doesn't always mean it is faster. And, uh, and, and, you know, not quite making it there. But, um, you know, I, I'm sort of, I guess, optimistic about Force India. I think, you know, at some point this year, we've had, what, five winners in seven races. You know, we're getting things mixed up. And What are you suggesting here? Interesting things. I, I don't know. I feel like Sutil could, uh, could come good and actually maybe, uh, maybe win something or at least, just, at least do well. Wow. That I think, I think it could is happen. a bold prediction. I like it. Yeah. I like it. And, you know, I'm just saying sometime, you know, not necessarily Canada. Well, maybe it won't happen. <laughs> maybe it won't happen this year. Maybe it'll happen at the inaugural USGP in 2012. Oh, it could. In Austin, Texas. Yes. In the Lone Star State. So, Formula One. All right. So one and one. This is a, that's an amazing bit of insight you've got there. So <laughs> I this, do like it. This is a big deal for us. Okay. So the huge. So U.S. Grand Prix. Uh, first, there was this proposal for uh, Liberty Park, New Jersey, which is just outside of New York, just like across the river from Manhattan and that stuff. Monticello Raceway or something. Well, like that's it. A, that's a different one. So the oh, first a different one. one Sorry. Was this oh, park that's New York. You're and right. and kind of like. Um, Kind of like Albert Park or whatever, where it's like it's a it's a park normally, and there's roads around the park, and oh, we can sort of convert those roads into a racetrack and do this. Sure, have some plans, and that got just super shot down by like the sort of the city council groups and sort of the locals. I feel like you know the people that enjoy the park and use it. They're like, oh, we don't want cars in our park because you know it's a park and it's trees and it's you know nature, and we don't right. want cars driving around in it. And that did that didn't go well at all, except for our Escalades when we were trying to get from one point to the other. Yeah. On the park. 
Uh, and then the idea was at the Monticello Motor Club, which is maybe like an hour outside of New York, and it's this uh, you know high end exclusive motor club. You pay like 125 grand. But it or doesn't look to... like that terribly special of a racetrack. It's not that terribly special. It's not. It's not bad. And it um, certainly doesn't have the facilities. Right. And I it... think they were looking at, and even you know Herman Tilka had some uh, some some thoughts on. Oh yeah, if we reprofile this a little bit and change that, then this will be good. And but it, at least it's a proper racing track. It's not like it's something. It's yeah. it's something. Um, that's but, something that's springing up. I think it's in Europe too. The, these private country club style racetracks. There's a I, lot of them. Yeah, it's interesting. I, I've, I've never been to one yet, but uh, I don't know. Having a Formula One event there though doesn't seem right. Yeah, I don't know. And and then and so they that was not any official news. That was all just sort of I think the, the motor club itself that in the club and its members sort of owned the track, and so they was were trying to stir up some and, publicity a little bit. And I think um, you know one of the stories out there is that they went public with that before they were supposed to, and that's why out of nowhere we saw an official press release from FOM. Really? Okay. Saying, Interesting. Hey, by the way, t- 2012 to 2021, it's a 10 year deal for the U.S. Grand Prix at a brand Donington Park to be built. No. <laughs> oh. No, to f- brand new purpose-built facility to be built outside Austin, Texas. Like, no, no rumors about it. No one knew anything about it. It right. was totally out of the blue, and it was like all this, all this talk going. On, oh yeah, Monticello, we might do this and we might do that. Herman and, Tilka's already been to the site. They've interviewed. Yeah. They're starting ideas, and and then so they have a budget of two hundred million dollars. So it's it's just like. You know, I've, no one predicted this. I don't think anyone no. <laughs> anywhere predicted this. And uh, so it's so here's here's what we know. Okay, so it's outside Austin, which uh, those of you who haven't been to Texas or been to Austin, um, it's not it's not what you think of when you think of Texas. I mean, it's not. It's really the anti-Texas. It's not you know random bulls walking around and like you know cowboys on horses and big... it's it's a university town more than anything else. It's that's where the University of Texas is. Yes, and it's actually quite a bit like Ann Arbor. Mm-hmm. Uh, we've been. I haven't been there myself. You can speak to this more than I can. But it's a it's a university town. It's a, bit, a little bit more quirky. It's yeah. I mean, very very liberal. Which is funny. It's also the capital of Texas. So you know, George W. Bush, when he was the you know governor of Texas, you know, that was the only county in the state that didn't vote for him as governor, and that's where <laughs> he had to work as governor. I mean, so it's it's a very you know progressive town. There's a lot of uh, tech money and all that. You know, Dell was founded there, and Michael Dell I think still lives there. And uh, the so band th- Spoon is from te- uh, Austin. It's true. Don't look at me like that. It's, it's a useless bit of context. The band Spoon. It's a pretty popular. Okay, great. But um, but yeah. So actually, my my sister and her husband live there. So I've been there. Oh well, that's relevant. I've been that's there. way more relevant than a popular major labeled band Spoon. No, I was just saying. So I've been there a couple of times. I'm not just you know talking Whatever. about stuff I saw on Wikipedia. Whatever. Whatever. But uh, so it's it's you know. Very nice, very nice. Territory. Just so you know, Jim wants to stab me with his pen right it's, now. It's not, um, there. It's not super flat and dusty like plains. I mean, there's actually some nice hills and some yeah. nice territory, some nice roads out there too. Uh, so the the idea is there's a you know brand new facility they've got you know and there's some different speculation as to where the site is and all that but none of this is confirmed yet uh, supposedly it's going to be in the hill country so it might actually be some natural terrain to build a track on and not which texas does have not a bahrain like oh we we cut out a little hole here and it kind of goes down a little hill and then goes back up and that's it but right, you know an right. actual like and the dirt from that hill we put over there so there's another hill yeah yeah uh so there might be you know some natural banking some natural hill territory to it but all that stuff remains to be seen, but uh, it's we're optimistic, we're excited, well, and we're hopeful. I mean, there's 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 a lot of ins and outs. I mean, obviously, so okay, they, I'm the, optimistic. <laughs> well, I want to be optimistic. I'm a little bit concerned. So it's Full Throttle Productions, which is the company that's promoting this, uh, and they're sort of you know handling all this. And uh, Tavo Hellman is the is the 
I guess, president of that company, um, who was he was uh, drove a NASCAR Nationwide Series for a while or something. He was actually a driver for a while, and uh, his father was a promoter that put on the Mexican Grand Prix uh, and some other some other races, yeah. um, which were a bit controversial in uh, in sort of some of their preparation and a planning. Touch shady. Um, full throttle productions. If you go to their website, it's one page with their logo on it. And if you click on that logo, it goes to an error message saying like this page is not yet configured and something's gone wrong and this link doesn't work. So we don't know much of anything about full throttle productions, uh, and, and what their plans are. Um, they have done a couple interviews with American TV and stuff. And what they stress is this is not like sort of USF1, which I think a lot of people are comparing to, which is like, oh, big hopes, and right. they make all these deals and which agreements. also did a bunch of interviews with US yes. TV. Um, but they're saying, hey, we've been, you know, if we were starting now, we would not, there'd be no way we could be ready in 2012 for a race or let alone a 10-year deal and a whole new track and all that. Um, they're saying, oh, but we've had preparations going on for a long time. They've just been totally private, um, which is interesting that, you know, none of that has leaked out. So either they've got really, really good security and, you know, on, on all these, you know, documents and all this stuff that, that nothing, nothing of that has leaked out, uh, or they're just sort of saying that to uh, try to try delay to our fears. But, um, but if people are telling the truth. If people are telling the truth. This could be really good. It's a very cool city. I mean, it's not a big airport. It's not like a giant hub or anything. So it, it could be sort of some logistical concerns. And it, it's interesting to see, like, all the, uh, you know, if all the sort of um, artists and environmental activists and people like that that are, you know, there's a lot around Austin. If, that For them to be behind an F1 track seems a little, uh, I don't know, a little bit at odds. But, uh, but at, on the other hand, yeah. it is only a couple hours from San Antonio. It's only a couple hours from, I think, Houston, yeah, you can drive which are a couple of major city centers, so it wouldn't be that bad to fly into one of those two places. Um, one thing which I didn't really personally understand too much myself, but Austin doesn't have any major other sports teams. It doesn't have a, a, a baseball team or a basketball team or a football team, yeah. which I guess in some ways can uh, compete for attention of the city, city council, uh, state of Texas, that kind of thing. And apparently there is a fund that uh, the state of Texas funds for events like this, um, a congressman specifically um, or a state senator specifically worked to add Formula One onto the bill as a, a le- legitimate way to spend money from this fund. Yeah. So there are, there are some things going on. The government, from what we can see, is actually backing this. Yeah, thing. and you know the mayor seems all excited about it and says, oh, yeah, we'll sign up. We'll make sure the permits and everything go quickly. But so, okay, if, if all that goes well um, – do you think they can put together and actually build a F1, you know, world-class F1 class facility and ready in time to have a race there in two years? I mean, less than two years. Basically? I would say if they break. Well, so, yeah. So theoretically, the best assumption is that this would be piggybacked with the Canadian Grand Prix, mm-hmm. which would put it most likely sometime in June, which gives them almost exactly two years. I think if they break ground within six months that, yes, they can have it done. Yeah. That's my guess. And so I want to be hopeful. I want to go. I mean, you know, <laughs> if it oh, happens. We'll, we'll be there. Absolutely. There's then, no doubt about it. Yeah. We'll, I mean, one of the first things I would want to do is race there myself. Yeah. That's the other thing is we haven't had, you know, there's a street circuits and stuff like that, but, you know, we don't have the opportunity to, like, go, you know, just go to a track day at Silverstone or go to Nürburgring or go to any of these right. places and, and do that. So just being able to, yeah, race there yourself and actually really know the track and then go to CF1 there, it'll be, it'll be a whole different thing. But truth be told, maybe it's best that we don't go because the last race that you and I went to was the 2007 USGP. Yeah. Which happened to be... The last one ever. Right. Yeah. So, I don't know. Maybe we're bad luck. Could be. Um, and and if, if, if Canadian GP doesn't go on next year... Although I did... Yeah, although I did go to Silverstone once, and that was in danger, but I guess they just barely saved it. <laughs> hmm. Yeah, maybe we, maybe we should Maybe go. if you go, it's bad. 
But if we and I go to better go together, then it's you know, it's lethal. Yeah. So one of the things as far as the location they're talking about is the uh, you know they want to make it more accessible to a lot of the other fans in Central and South America because F1 is is obviously big around there. In you know they have the Brazilian race, but um, there's a lot of people in uh, you know the, the the sort of Central America and all that that are really into it. But ironically, even though geographically Austin is closer flights to new york are cheap from like anywhere and, and yeah. so it's actually a lot easier for a lot of people from like costa rica or colombia or you know around south america to get to new york or miami probably than it is to go to austin um but th- that is part of the appeal of uh, what they want to do and then the last thing i'll mention about that is the only other time f1 has ever been to texas was the 1984 i guess it was u.s grand prix in dallas u.s grand prix west yes and uh and which was kind of a disaster. There were kind of lots of issues that the pavement started coming apart because it wasn't made to handle up, you know, to, to stand up to the heat. And there was, you know, just I don't know if, how much of it was sort of the event organizers or the safety standards or everything else. But, uh, you know, a driver tried to push his car across the finish line and ended up having heat stroke and like fainting on track. I mean, there was there were some issues. And sure. uh, it's it's kind of wild to see, you know, because none of that stuff would go on today. I mean, you know, they they safety card the Monaco Grand Prix because of a drain cover, you know, and yeah. and all that. And so it's not like they would they would be driving through breaking pavement in quite the same way that they used to. But uh, it's there, there's a lot of concerns, I guess, about uh, Grand Prix in Texas. But let's end this on a high note, yes. and that is because it's a Texas Grand Prix, and everything if everything does go through, um, unlike Indianapolis, it's also a much more flexible location in terms of. F1 schedules. Uh, Indianapolis, you definitely want to do more in the summer. Yes. Because in April and May, it can be very, still be very cold, very, when he, if it's in April, it could even snow. Texas, you could pretty much hold an event there throughout the F1 calendar, and it should be fine. Yeah. And so that that gives the USGP more flexibility than it had before, which is definitely a good and thing. And, of course, land is a whole lot cheaper out there than it is around New York City or around yes. Indianapolis or whatever. Sure. So uh, as far as building a cool circuit, and I feel like, uh, you know, Herman Tilka is taking a lot of different uh, suggestions to mind and all that, and, you know, he's going to be designing the track. So um, it could be, you know, another Shanghai or whatever, but it could be another Istanbul Park. You know, this is a, a Herman Tilka track this weekend, and uh, obviously there's some, some great, you know, passing opportunities and a track that drivers like and all that. So hopefully they can take the best of that and uh, make a really cool facility and that's one more world-class racing facility we have in the u.s and that's cool right very cool but uh i think you've definitely definitely heard enough from us so it's time for you guys that's right it is listener feedback time and uh so last weekend of course was my my solo show well done sir yes thank you and i i got a couple of the comments to uh to that effect no one commented and said hey jim you're rubbish don't ever do a show unless robin's there so that's that's at least a step in the right direction <laughs> i it almost seemed like the fans were happier that i wasn't there i no, oh no, I, don't I heard say a big that. sigh I wouldn't, of relief i wouldn't say that yeah they're like <sighs> like oh man without that robin yikes um, it, it is a lot harder than a couple people mentioned that. So, uh, yeah, so, so thanks, uh, you know, Cam and, uh, and Daryl and, uh, Stan Johansson for your, uh, comments on the, on F1show.com. Um, as he says, you know, I can only imagine it's hard to make the show all by yourself, but it came out really good. So thank you for that. It is, a, it's a lot harder because not only, um, you know, you don't have the time when the other person's talking to sort of collect your thoughts and notes and right, stuff. Right, right. Um, and so like right now I'm just collecting. Yeah. You're just, and, and you're going to say something brilliant as soon as I stop talking. So Robin, what do you got? Uh, Okay, so anyway, I guess I'm better at doing the, the solo shows. <laughs> no, what, no. Was, what, what I thought was funny was uh, I did I did a solo show in Australia, and the comments were like, "Hey, Robin, it was okay. I mean, we could listen to it without throwing up." And then <laughs> then, then you do their show, and you're like, "Dude, that was awesome. You did a great job." 
So I'll take that. All right, I'll take my. I, I'll I, be thick-skinned about it. I'll take my blows. You, okay, did, no, I'm, you, did, I'm, you did a great job. I'm on no the Australian good podcast. at anything, and nobody likes me. And I'll just sulk with a pint of Ben and Jerry's and never do the show ever again. Well, there you go. Um, no, I, but I think we can all agree, our fans <laughs> and you and I, that it's best when uh, when there's both of us. And uh, so we had someone, and I don't have the sum of the sum of our parts are greater than each one individually. Indeed. Uh, uh, is that how that goes? I screw that up. So it's, I don't know. Um, the total is greater than the sum of its parts. Is that it? Us together yes. is greater than the sum of the parts. Yeah. Okay. Collective thoughts. <laughs> anyway, um, we had fantastic listener feedback, as always. I mean, it truthfully, this year, more than any, it's has really been wonderful. And we haven't had any uh, time in between the shows where it gets kind of slow or anything. There's a lot of cool comments going on. Um, a lot of interesting people. You guys are very well informed, uh, have interesting comments to make, interesting things. I mean, we learn things when we uh, look at our own Facebook page or the Twitter page. Jim loves the Twitter. He was looking at the Twitter feed during the live race broadcast more than he was watching the racing. I was watching the racing, too. Some in between the Twitter. Yeah, but so can I just say, though, <laughs> TweetDeck on the iPad with, like, a couple of columns set up, it's, it's beautiful. It's, it's a beautiful way to, to do that. Um, so also, uh, so Christopher K commented on the Facebook page. Um, and says, you know, why not have a small five or ten minute segment of fan inputs? It would add another dimension to the podcast. In the rare instance when there's only one of us doing the podcast, uh, the fan input could be could be you know, lengthened or you know more interactive. And uh, we actually did that a while ago. Or yeah, tried we to. had voicemail. Um, yeah, so we had like a Skype voicemail thing set up so people could sort of call us and leave a message, and then we could play that on the show and, and react to it and all that. And it was cool. It was it was quite a bit more work than uh, you know people posting on Facebook and all that. But so, more than anything, people didn't do it. I mean, yeah. we rarely got. We had a couple people, and uh, I remember, you know, Derek Krola, um commenting and you know leaving us some messages and stuff. And then we had a couple weird messages that we didn't quite understand. It's like and, you should try Lysol Plus. <laughs> yeah. Like, um. So anyway, no, I, 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 truthfully though, I mean, our 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 listener base was about a third of the size when we did that. Yeah. So we, so if you guys, I mean, seriously, comment on Facebook if you want us to bring something like back, that back. If you'd like to have your voice. On the show, and there's enough people that are interested in that. I mean, we will consider bringing it back. Also, too, uh, if somebody posts, and, and it's nowadays really easy. You can go to YouTube, and I think do like a direct video recording right from your webcam and stuff. So if somebody wants to, you know, you record something as a, as a quick little video, put it on YouTube, and just you know, send us a link. Uh, we're happy to use that stuff. It's just that sometimes it's hard to come up with the whole infrastructure uh, to do that. We actually looked into having a whole like interactive thing on our website where you'd be able to go and click record, and it would send it to us and all the stuff. And, yeah. That's, you know, Robin and I do this just basically because it's fun. Uh, we don't make any money on it. It actually costs us money. So I, we'd love to do a lot of features like that. We'd love to have a whole lot more involved uh, right, but news feeds and all this stuff. And it's, we just sort of don't have the time to do that. And, I mean, this this show, the F1 show, was birthed out of uh, a show we did called Formula One, etc., mm -hmm. which was a video podcast. I guess they call it a vidcast now or something like that. Vcast. I guess anyway, we were ahead of our time then. We were totally ahead of our time. And uh, we were working on the third show. And we were 10 hours into the post-production of it and going, why are we doing we just, this? Yeah, we just sort of looked at each other and were like, this made F1 not fun anymore. Yeah, exactly. So it, it is a balance between uh, enjoying ourselves and then putting in the time and effort to make it a good show. It, it yeah, means a lot to us to make a good show, but, you know, it we still... Yeah, there's a limit. Yes, and then also uh, as a reply to that comment, Jacob Macri uh, mentioned, oh, that's a great idea. And then also said, hey, you know, 
with, with you guys missing shows and stuff like that, uh, why aren't the rest of the show is a bit longer? And so part of that actually was a conscious effort from us to tighten things up because I think a 45-minute show this year has probably more content in it than an hour-long show from last year because yeah. we just, we've organized the, you know, our discussion topics and everything a bit more. We've done a little more preparation and tried to just get a more polished result for you guys, and hopefully it comes across that way. Right. But uh, obviously today we're at full strength. We've got the... Uh, you know, got the time to, to There's do a little a, more meat on these bones this time show. around. And there's I think. plenty to talk about with all this USF, USF one, or USGP stuff and all that. So, um, yeah, this will teach you to ask for a longer show again, <laughs> I guess. But, no, I mean, honestly, uh, Jacob, uh, uh, these are the type of things that we want to hear from you guys. Suggestions, things maybe you're not happy about. I mean, we feel pretty proud of the fact that the listener base has grown every year, and we feel that's a sign that the show is improving. And we want to keep improving. I mean, that's absolutely – it's a growth thing. We consider, we're like an F1 car, and we want to continue development throughout the season and get better every season. We're like Force India. Ooh. Right? Yeah. yeah. We're, we're almost a top team sometimes. Yeah. yeah. yeah exactly. I think that's about fair. I like that. Okay. And then, and then so during the uh, – if, if, you, if you don't follow us on Twitter and you like the real-time updates and things like that, uh, definitely check us out. We are at the F1 show. And uh, we had, you know, some some of the same people actually find us on Facebook and Twitter and all that. So ho- however you use the net, or if you're one of these people that uh, wants to quit Facebook because you're concerned about everything, then, hey, you know, use Twitter. It's wide open, and yep. you know what it is. And we still accept email. You can still go right to the F1show.com webpage yeah. yourself and comment directly there, which we've been getting more of, which is fantastic. Yep, and that's that's all been good. And uh, basically, yeah, so if, if you want any of our sort of live uh, – not not really blow-by-blow blow analysis, but just kind of our reactions and stuff during the race. Uh, it's kind of fun. So, uh, you know, you can check us out on Twitter and all that. And we don't do all the races, uh, but because I will be attending the Canadian Grand Prix, um, unfortunately not both of us, but, uh, you know, I, I will be there. Um, I don't know quite the situation for Internet access and but all that yet. But we're going to try to do something We should do something cool. Cool, yeah. Yeah, whether, it's, <laughs> whether it comes out on Facebook Anything and Twitter and the website. It's kind of like the, the Austin uh, USGP announcement. It's going to be great. It's going to be great. Just trust us. Just trust us. Or maybe it's not, but hopefully it will be. <laughs> so that's good. Very good. Trivia. Trivia. Everybody's favorite trivia time. And as I had to do the uh, the show on my own, I did the, the you know answer to Robin's trivia question and came up with my own. I actually got I kind of liked what I came up with. It was a simple question, but uh, yeah, but but not a simple answer. Right. I mean, not something everyone thinks about. Yes. So, um, it, it, so it's not one of these like you know who was the first guy ever to you know be born in this country and live in that country and then race in F one. It was like you either know it or you don't. Kind of a uh, you know, out there question, but uh, it was just simply, uh, you know, because Turkey is, uh, of course, one of the anti-clockwise tracks. How many other tracks are run anti-clockwise or primarily left turns and so on? And uh, and so, you know, I think everyone knows, obviously, well, Turkey is a giveaway. Yes. Um, but, uh, and then it's okay, well, Brazil, yeah, Interlagos um, are, is the other one that, that comes to mind. Um, but also, uh, Abu Dhabi is anti-clockwise, as is Singapore, and then Korea, because that's on the calendar this year, right. which we obviously we've never been there before, but anyone who sort of knows about the track and all that um, will, have, uh, will have gotten that. So it's five tracks, Turkey, Abu Dhabi, Brazil, Singapore, and Korea. And uh, we did have uh, a couple of guesses, one on Twitter who just mentioned, I think, uh, Turkey and Singapore. Um, and actually, it looks like Stian Johansson, uh, did get all five in, uh, in in the comments on F1Show.com. So well done, sir. Plus one internet to you, my friend. Well, an internet Coke. Yes. Right. There you go. Okay, but uh, I, being back uh, on the show, have come up with another trivia question. Ooh, okay. And 
I don't know if I can top. I thought yours was quite good. It was very poignant. Uh, wasn't just like you said. Not poignant. <laughs> But okay. Whatever. Okay, fine. Either way. It was a question, and it had an answer. And that's the answer. Five. So uh, in Turkey, today, the top finishing Cosworth engine was uh, Rubens Barrichello's lump, and he finished 14th place. Not so great. Not not And if you look at where the Cosworth engines are on the grid, not high up. But that wasn't always the case for this story marred key. They weren't always an also-ran. So the question is... When did Cosworth win their first F1 race, and what was Cosworth's most recent F1 race? Ooh, a win? two-parter. It's a two-parter. Got it. And uh, we can clarify that uh, for most of their uh, lifespan in Formula One history, it was Cosworth Ford, or even mm-hmm. just Ford. But Cosworth and Ford are one and the same as far as this trivia question is concerned. Got it. Got it? It's a good right. one. So uh, all the ways that we mentioned doing feedback, uh, if you want to hit us up with an email, feedback at F1show.com. Tweet us, Facebook us, like us, poke us, whatever. Don't poke us. Yeah, don't do that. Thank you. Yes, it is once again time for predictions, and Jim was incredibly gracious in actually allowing my predictions to go through for this race in Turkey. He could have... Um, paid back um, the not-so-good fortune I've given him in the past. But I did predict, and he did honor that prediction, and I, and I do appreciate that for, uh, for doing that. Um, however, maybe you shouldn't have because <laughs> I ended up beating you handedly. Yeah. Why would anyone predict Massa on pole and Massa for the win? That doesn't make any sense. Well, I mean, you know, Alonso was doing well at, at, uh, at, in Monaco, so I figured the Ferrari, the chassis is getting better. Uh, and, and silly. And Massa it's knows just, his way around No, it's, all, it's all silly, terrible, terrible. It, it was, anyone it in terrible. their right mind would have known that Massa wasn't going to be in the top five. Okay. That was silly. Fair enough. I, on the other hand, boldly predicted several weeks ago, I might add, that Button would be on the pole and Button was going to win the race. Which he didn't do either. No, no, he didn't. But he wasn't, that, that wasn't nearly as far off as Massa. No, he really wasn't. Um, the stat model once again predicted Weber on pole and Weber to win the race. And it was also wrong, but it was frighteningly close. Yeah. Mark Weber is hosing us with the stat model. Um, and uh, Peter Oliver was the uh, guy we picked uh, our fan as our fan yeah. predictions. He had Vettel on pole. And Vettel to win the race. Now, that turned out to be silly as well. Yeah, which sounds perfectly reasonable, but obviously it didn't pan out that way. Really, really wasn't. Uh, okay, so getting back to it, Massa ended up qualifying eighth. He finished the race seventh. Button Holly, on the other hand, qualified fourth, finished second. So you scored 13 points to my four. So I win. <laughs> you win the get to buy Robert Coke award. The opportunity award. to yes. buy your Coke. Uh, however, Peter Oliver got a score of 23 because Vettel qualified third but finished 22nd. Oh. Um, so, Peter, you owe a lot of Cokes to a lot of people. And finally, the stat model actually did best of all um, with a grand total of two because it was absolutely correct about Weber finishing on pole but was incorrect about Weber winning the race by so, two. So the question is, will the stat model be right for Canada? Uh, do you think Weber on pole and Hamilton to win? How do you feel about that? Well, see, I don't know. I mean, I'm feeling pretty good. I, I, we have this nice little uh, spreadsheet here of all the points and stuff, and I'm actually winning, which yeah. is which is kind of nice. I'm beating everybody. 
It's very lovely, including the fans and the statistical model. So to answer your question, I don't know. Uh, what I do know is that McLaren does seem to be on a roll, that Canada has long straights, and uh, something like an F-duct might be helpful there. And I do happen to know that me, uh, Lewis Hamilton is not shy and is quite good around Canada. I do believe that was his very first win in 2007. Mm-hmm. And so, despite my bus button fanness, I think I'm going to put Lewis Hamilton on pole and to win the race. Okay. I think I'm going to go Hamilton, Hamilton, which halfway agrees with the model, actually, because does. Hamilton won this last race. It but does. you know me. I don't go for flair. I go for points. And I go for flair because I'm already <laughs> losing, so I might as well. Might just go bold. Hey, every once in a while. like Sebastian Bourdais. He's coming back. And we speak French there anyway. Jacques Villeneuve is going to find a ride. Oh, and he's God. Gonna, oh, God. So please old. No. <laughs> Um, He's going to play. You know, okay, well, you know who else had his first and thus only win in Canada? Oh, I know where you're going with you this. You know where I'm going with I this. I know where you're going after with this. That a, is bold. After a stunning performance in Monaco. It is a French Monaco, car. Robert Kubica. Which I, is promoting a Russian car on its side pod. Which ties perfectly to Canada because <laughs> they're both kind of northern countries. They have a border <laughs> in the Arctic Circle. They're neighbors. They, <laughs> Just saying. No, that's Alaska. They're not neighbors. They're uh, neighbors via the North Pole. Exactly. That's neighborsness. <laughs> anyway, I think Robert Kubitz is doing well. I mean, I think probably you're, you're probably more accurate with the McLaren stuff or, you know, Red Bull. Well, who they do you think is going to This isn't the who's going to do well prediction. This is who's going to win the race. If you agree with me, that's okay. It doesn't have to be. It's not more fun for you to be wrong all the time, although it is good for me. Well, but it's not more fun for me. Pick who you think it's gonna, is going to win the it's race. Gonna be the, be it's going to be the one time that I pick something totally bold and it comes out right that's going to make this oh, all Oh, this work. is going to be it? This is going to be the time? Yeah, cause, oh. cause obviously. Okay. Because because Kubica is just going to do a dynamite lap. And that means what? And he's going to win too. So he's going to be on pole. Oh, yeah. And he's going to win the race. Oh, yeah. Robert like, Kubica. Yeah, man. In the Renault. Oh, yeah, sure. Wow. Yeah. There it is. Beat and, and, that. And, oh, and? And, well, there's no more columns. And what? Petrov will end up in the Wall of Champions. Nice. I like that. I like that. That's how that's going to go down. So will Kobayashi. That'll be mine. Ooh, but it's going to be sweet when Kobayashi does it because it's going to be all fast. In the Petrov. It's going to be all and sideways. Boom, boom. Right in the, It's yes. going to be like, oh, drift oh, into the wall. Yeah. Pretty much. Excellent. So, there you have it. <laughs> you thought there was some big point there. There's I not, did. I, I really did. I thought I gave you time to collect your thoughts, like we talked about in the past. I had time, and I didn't collect <laughs> there are them. There no thoughts. So I'm excited about, okay, obviously going to Canada. It's been a couple years since yeah. I've been to, to Grand Prix. Absolutely. And that's going to be great. Uh, we don't yet know how all the coverage is going to work out. But basically, keep up with us uh, in all these various places, um, and we will let you know what's going on. We'll have some cool stuff coming down the feed, possibly some video, possibly some different sort of pseudo-live coverage and all that. Right. Um, I will still be stationed at our Michigan headquarters. Uh, Jim will be off on the field in Montreal. We'll be 700, several hundred miles away from each other, um, even more kilometers away from each other. But and through, through the magic of the Internet, we may still be able to do a show together or at least maybe some, hope. some separate shows. Um, also, if we have any other fans uh, coming to the race in Montreal, uh, you know, send us an email, tweet, Facebook West's wall, wall post message board <laughs> system. Uh, and, you Very. know, maybe we can, you know, meet up. Or if you want to, uh, you know, buy an F1 show shirt for me or something cool, then I don't know. Then, you know, that's great. Or if Brendan James Cronk, if you want to come to Canada. Oh, my God. His stuff would be great. I will give you a shirt for free. 
So I think you have to fly there from Australia, which is probably a long way. I mean, I know it's a long way. But... <laughs> it's, it's allegedly a long way. <laughs> I think Australia has a border with Canada, actually, um, on, on the ocean. Uh, so anyway, uh, yeah, let us know if you're going to be out there. I will be out there, and uh, hopefully it's a great time. And basically until then, I am Jim Lau. And I'm Robin Warner. See ya. confident that the victory would have been yours given that you kept the McLarens at bay for, for 40 of the laps and, uh, and Sebastian behind you as well? Yeah. Um, yeah. I was, yeah. Is Mark Webber gonna have to choke a bitch? <laughs>